Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So let me tell you a story. Everything's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. Gavin Bade is a trade reporter at Politico. If you just keep putting cups of coffee in front of me, I'll keep drinking them. (laughs) Until I don't know what happens. (laughs) I've never gotten to that point. Okay. And he wants to tell me about the Magnitsky Act. It's 2012, and the Obama administration is desperate to pass normal trade relations with Russia. They want to be able to lower tariffs on Russia, and more importantly, they want to welcome them into the global economy, welcome them into the WTO, and really complete Russia's transformation from the Soviet Union into, you know, a capitalistic nation. But to do this, some of the more hardliners when it comes to foreign policy in Congress said, well, we need to be able to sanction Russian officials because they're still doing some messed up stuff. One of the things was they imprisoned this tax lawyer, Sergei Bagninsky, who eventually died in prison in Russia. And so there was this act named after him, the Magnitsky Act, that would increase the American government's ability to sanction officials from other governments overseas. The legislation sets a precedent for international conduct. So as part of a compromise, they passed this along with the trade relations for Russia saying, you can come into the global economy, Russia, but we're also going to create new authority to sanction your people if you violate human rights around the world. And since then, the Magnitsky Act has been applied not just to Russia, but officials from all over the world when the U.S. thinks they're doing bad things. I think we are sending a signal to Vladimir Putin and to the Russian kleptocracy that these kinds of abuses of human rights will not be tolerated without us responding in some appropriate fashion. Magnitsky is an issue today because it's holding up the bill to repeal normal trade relations with Russia that Congress is trying to pass right now. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. You might remember that last week, the House passed a bill with an overwhelming majority, 424 to 8, repealing normal trade relations with Russia, a bill that's currently stalled in the Senate. There are a few reasons for that, but one is because it includes an expansion of the Magnitsky Act. The Senate is trying to move this very quickly, and so they would need unanimous consent to do so. But Rand Paul doesn't want to give them that. He says, unless I get an amendment that would curtail the expansion of the Magnitsky Act, I'm not going to let this thing go forward, and you're going to have to spend days or weeks debating this thing that you actually want to get out the door as quickly as possible. So, on the show today, why the fight in Congress over Russian trade could impact the U.S. relationship with China. The bill that the House passed last week would revoke what's called permanent normal trade relations with Russia. And this is just the status that Russia gets that allows it to be on a level playing field with all of the other U.S. trading partners. So same level of tariffs, same level of market access like any other country, right? This is part of the global trading system we set up after the fall of the Soviet Union trying to treat all nations the same. Obviously, we don't want to treat Russia the same right now. There's a lot of calls to block Russian imports, Mm -hmm. block Russian energy products, and generally split them off from the global economy. Well, if you want to do that for good, you need the legislative act right here. Biden just can't do it himself. So you have to, just as Congress 
enacted normal trade relations with Russia. You need them to revoke it. So the bill that the House passed last week would allow Biden to raise tariffs on Russian imports until the end of 2024. And then it also sets out a procedure for them to be welcomed back into normal trade relations if they stop the war in Ukraine and meet other certain standards, right? So the House passed this bill. And they also passed separate legislation earlier that would ban imports of Russian oil and other petroleum products. This is something that Biden has already done with his executive authority. Right. But the House wants to make sure that there is legislative backstop there, that they that Biden can't just use his authority and take this ban off whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. There has to be legislative action there. But a kind of interesting thing happened. The House passed that bill. And then Nancy Pelosi didn't immediately send it over to the Senate, the oil ban. Hmm. Then all of a sudden it gets held up. And so far, they haven't been combined yet. So along with the Magnitsky Act issue, you also have Republicans in the Senate saying, well, we want the oil ban combined with the trade bill. And if we don't get that, we're just going to do it in the Senate and then we'll have to send the bill back to the House. So that just creates another delay. And this is something that people want to get done really quickly, right? Like they're trying to move on other things. They have a big China bill and a conference committee they're trying to get to. But right. now they're having to spend all this, all their time on this. So it's definitely frustrating for people who wanted to see, you know, Russia get their trade status revoked very quickly. Briefly, like in recent years, what has the U.S. trade relationship been with Russia? We are not a huge trading partner with Russia. It's more that, you know, they have a lot of trading relationships, especially when it comes to energy. We occasionally mm -hmm. would, you know, Im uh, import Russian gas. We still do import some Russian oil. And then the, it's also that our European allies are really reliant on them for their energy products, right? Mm -hmm. So more than anything, revoking that trade status would be a symbolic thing, especially because Biden has already blocked the energy imports from Russia, right? But it also signals to them that the bill would also direct the U.S. trade representative to try to push Russia out of the World Trade Organization to suspend them mm -hmm. from that global trading body. And it's really just a, a show that Russia, you are no longer part of the liberal economy that we created after the end of the Cold War, right? That until you stop this aggression – you're going to be on the outside looking in. And I think it's just really an interesting thing to see that paradigm of a global liberal trading system really collapse with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I mean, it had been stressed for a very long time, mm -hmm. both by Russia's actions along with China's. But this just kind of blew everything up. So you mentioned China earlier. We know there's another big trade bill being worked on in Congress, and that's to do with China. How has Putin's war in Ukraine altered how senators are thinking about the U.S. trade relationship with China? Putin's invasion of Ukraine is really pushing a lot of senators to rethink how much exposure the U.S. economy has to adversarial regimes all around the world, right? They're looking at all of the fluctuations in global energy markets and global food markets as Russia invaded Ukraine. And they say, wow, this is a lot of economic drama happening with a country that we don't even have a big trading relationship with. And then you start to think, well, what if China invades Taiwan? What if we have another issue with China that starts complicating those trade relationships? Things could get really sticky really quickly, especially when it comes to cutting edge technologies. We rely on China for the production of a lot of computer chips that go into consumer electronics, cars, things like that. So senators are trying in this China bill to 
bring a lot of that production of computer chips back to the United States. And you've seen them really try to prioritize that and push that forward since the invasion of Ukraine, saying this shows us that we need to be more self-sufficient economically. We can't be reliant on adversarial regimes across the world because sometimes things happen and your trading relations aren't so normal anymore. Even before Russia invaded Ukraine, we saw all the supply chain dislocations that came with the COVID crisis, right? Yeah. That kind of disproved the thesis that globalization was always going to lower prices for Americans because all of a sudden you have a great global shock. You couldn't get a couch. You couldn't get a fridge. You couldn't get a used car. Mm -hmm. And I think that shocked a lot of people and made them think, oh, my goodness, what if we have a bigger conflict with China? What if it's not a pandemic? What if China invades Taiwan? What if there's yeah. you know, a different type of global conflagration that severs our trade ties or really complicates them? Well, you can see that it would be really, really complicated for the American consumer, right? Um, and I think that Russia's invasion just kind of hammered that point home. So what I'm hearing you say, I think, is that it, it seems like there's an emphasis on making sure that our trade relationships are with nations we'd sort of unequivocally – call allies or are very friendly to the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the Biden administration and congressional Democrats would say it's not like Trump. It's not America first. It's maybe America with friends because they really want to bring allies along with them. You've seen them do this in the wake of the Russia invasion, the export controls that we've put on our technologies preventing Russian firms from buying U.S. technology. They've been repeated by a bunch of other nations, by a lot of our allies. They also want to say we're united with our allies on saying, well, if we don't get semiconductors from China, maybe we don't make them here, but we can get them from an allied nation. We could, you know, maybe not reshoring to the United States, but it's nearshoring to our friends, right? So they would say we're working with allies more, but mm -hmm. at the core of it, decreasing reliance on China and other adversarial regimes and encouraging domestic manufacturing. Those are two tenets of Trump's White House that certainly carried over into the Biden administration. And you hear whether it's Secretary Gina Raimondo or U.S. Trade Representative Tai or Biden himself talking about we need to make things in America. Outside of Ukraine, that was the biggest applause line of the State of the Union address. Instead of relying on foreign when Biden said chains, we're going to make, make it, it in America. America. Everyone in the chamber got on their feet for that, and that wasn't always the case, right? In years past, you had seen a lot of moderate Democrats and most Republicans be free traders. They wanted to see us put our production overseas to lower costs for consumers and also because they thought if we have our companies interacting in China, interacting in Russia, interacting in other places, that's going to encourage democratic reforms there, right? This was the dream when Biden – advocated for China to come into the WTO back in 2000. Mm -hmm. He said they're going to enter a rules-based international order where we can hold them accountable. And this is going to encourage democratic reforms at home. Well, 20 years on, China's more authoritarian than it was when it entered the WTO. And it's a hell of a lot more powerful economically and militarily. So you're seeing a really dramatic rethink in Washington. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to be watching for in the coming weeks and months on this? 
So I expect that we will eventually get a deal on Magnitsky and the Russia trade relations, and that will eventually get pushed out, right? The big policy discussion is going to be over this China bill. So the Senate and the House, they have different versions of the bill that have passed. And right now they're preparing to go to what's called a conference committee, where you have representatives from each chamber meet, and they basically hash out the differences between the bills. Now, the China trade element of this is really interesting and it's really different between the bills. The House's version is actually a lot more aggressive. So in the next few weeks, we're going to get that conference committee. Those lawmakers will meet and try to hash out the differences. And I think that bill will be um, really a blockbuster for U.S.-China relations when it does come out. Gavin Bade, thanks for talking. Thank you, Annie. Also in the news... Former President Donald Trump is suing 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton in a sprawling case that accuses her of conspiring with dozens of other actors to topple his presidency. The new lawsuit was announced Thursday in federal court in Florida. And the Biden administration said Thursday that it will announce plans to welcome 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and others affected by the Russian war on Ukraine. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our executive producer is Jenny Ament. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.